Welcome to the Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, a quick warning, there may be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we will do our best to let you know that they're coming. This episode, we're reviewing Nomadland, uh, Chloe Zhao's follow-up to the writer in which Frances McDormand looks for glimmers of hope in this hellscape that we call America. Okay, as always, I'm going to run through this long list of things where you can rate and review us. You can do it at Apple Podcast App, Podchaser, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, or wherever you get your podcasts. I almost did it, but I stumbled on Podbean. Sorry. (laughs) If Fanny can make her way through that, you can certainly write a review. I have new headphones today, and I wrote a review of the new headphones on uh, Amazon. The review... Two stars. Meh. I don't love them. Um, but you know what I did? I left a review. So there was feedback. That's um, right. You let them know. <laughs> I let them know. And if they send me free stuff, that's fine too. We won't. But you can believe that in your head. If you I want. mean, we might. If if we have enough listeners, we might end up doing fun stuff like silly giveaways or whatever. And I I am this sad. I went to our Facebook page and we have like likes of people. And I looked at the list. There are people that I don't know who you are. And I don't think Justin knows who you are. I know because I took screenshots and sent them to Justin and said, do you know this person? And he said, no. So so we know you're out there and we'd love to hear from you. And I'm late on posting, so I will do that too. (laughs) (laughs) Should we talk about the uh, uh, Nomadland? I I think we should talk about Nomadland instead of trying to, you know, passively, aggressively make (laughs) our listeners feel bad. (laughs) Sort of like this movie. I'm just kidding. (laughs) This is uh, Chloe Zhao's follow-up to The Writer, and it's based on Jessica Broder's 2017 nonfiction book of the same name. It's about older Americans who are traveling across the country post-recession and looking for seasonal work. I don't know if we can actually call it traveling so much as wandering from (laughs) place to hellscape to (laughs) Amazon campgrounds. Uh, (laughs) uh, Frances McDormand, the wonderful and never to be equaled uh mcdormand stars as fern who's living in her van for her own reasons not just financial and uh movie i believe was supposed to just be in theaters but uh they went ahead and released it on hulu as well which i think is a gift and i Yeah. Uh, they went ahead and le- <laughs> they went ahead and dropped it on Hulu uh, as well for the pandemic and this hellscape, and I am grateful for that because I thought this was lovely. Justin, what did you think? Um, I also am very happy that this dropped on Hulu because if this were in the theaters right now and I had any hesitancy about going to theaters, which of course I do, um, I. I, I wouldn't see it. I'd just be like, nope, like I'm going to wait to rent that later. Um, but I, you know, being in this sort of sad sack, uh, stuck at home, still uh, looking for glimmers of hope in the American hellscape. Uh, I 
could handle this. I was uh, turned off the lights and, and settled into the couch. Uh, got my husband Dave to watch it with me for at least most of it, which was pretty impressive. Um, first of all, Chloe Zhao, beautiful, beautiful filmmaking. Like man, just, just the rhythm of her movies and the soundtrack and the performances and the lighting is just like next level. I just, uh, I am so excited to see what she, the fuck she's going to do with a Marvel movie. Um, right. <laughs> I'm just every thing I see from her. I'm like, wait, what? They gave you a Marvel movie. I um, love it. It's amazing. Thank um, you, Marvel for WandaVision. And thank you for seeing people like Chloe Zhao and giving them a chance. Totally. I, I, mm. So watching this, I mean, it's funny that you brought up about the like in the intro not traveling because I one of the things that struck me about this movie was how uninterested it was in the uh, kind of um, the how or the why, the sort of, you know, usual narrative sort of propelling things we get in these movies. Like she, you know, she'd run into people... Um, uh, David Strathairn shows up as this like potential love interest, and you keep being like, "Is he like? Is he going to be in this movie again, or was that it?" It's just so right. it's like people just kind of bouncing off each other in this kind of gentle pinball way that um, was very. Once I sort of latched onto it, I found very um, just compelling, and it was um, so slow, but I didn't find it boring. Really, oh, ever. not at all. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's funny that it's just like, ah, uh, you know, she's got friends she meets along the way, apparently some of which were actually real people from this nonfiction book, some of those actors. Chloe also does a great job, but same thing in the writer, of finding these real people and just getting yeah. them to sort of be themselves in the movie. I, my understanding was that most of the travelers or wanderers were wanderers that like only the like the Strath Strathern's family and uh you know of course of course both he and McDormand but other than that most of the wanderers were wanderers wow. or nomads. Really interesting. So, and they all are cast with their own names and and yeah. So and, and they didn't know that she was somebody famous even like the, the main guy didn't know that she was famous or that uh, he knew that they were filming a movie, but he didn't realize that she was somebody's very famous. And, and Oh, that's was, so funny. Yeah. was surprised. And it, it, yeah. And impressed that she on was so cool. No, she, it was the scene. It was Bob. And it's the scene where she talks about her husband and it's just him and her. And right. afterwards he was like, you know, Hey, that was, that was heavy that you shared that that's very special. And she, and so she told him, Oh, you know, I, I'm married. My, my husband's alive. His name's Joel Cohen. And, and I, you know, and then somebody told him and he, he wasn't mad or anything. He was just like, Oh, I had no idea. And, you know, <laughs> that's interesting. So they actually, yeah. I wonder if some of those people thought they were in a documentary and some of them. I think they were honest with them that it was a movie, but I think they thought it was kind of a more smaller, you know, right. Uh, didn't know that it was anything huge like that. I really liked um, also just, you know, the landscape obviously is beautiful. Um, Travels, they travel all over the West. They make it all the way to like South Dakota at some point. And it was fun to kind of be like, where is this? But the movie almost kind of defies you or like, you know, it's challenges you to be like, okay, let go of any notion of what this route is or where these people right. are. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a movie kind of give you a sense of 
getting lost in the sort of uh, oh, absolutely. spaces of, of the country and they're beautiful, but they're also that first scene where they're, you know, in the snowy, foggy, desolate hell is just like, right. <laughs> so like, get out of there. But you also, I used to say to Dave, this is like my one sort of morbid, um, it's not, it's not, anywhere near like suicidal or whatever, but it's some right. gothic kind of um, fantasy about being up uh, in, in Tahoe or somewhere in kind of a crazy snowy mountain area and just fantasizing about just kind of wandering off and losing yourself in that space and just kind oh, of absolutely. Um And I really liked the way this movie, it, literally that's kind of a plot point and it, it sort of addresses, but it's sort of, um, it doesn't judge it. It doesn't see that oh, as not a, at all. a fatalistic thing or a suicidal thing or anything. It sort of recognizes that a lot of us have that sort of impulse, but also kind of the rougher edges of this country sort of allow for that. Um, but I have more to talk about that. I want to know more what you thought. Well, generally. We'll the, get back into that. That's the, the old quote that I like so much about, uh, you know, that it's not, you're standing at the, the edge of a precipice and it's not the fear of falling it's the fear of jumping and that same sort of you just wander and get lost it's almost a it's a kind of beautiful feeling of i could just do this i have complete control and look i we've talked about you know my own headspace in that but again it isn't a suicidal thing it's just a i control my destiny thing right and uh it's the movie i I thought it was beautiful and I totally agree with you that it was not slow at all. It was very measured and considered. Um, It obviously brought to mind uh, without, you know, very, a a different feel in that there wasn't a grift to it, but it certainly had the feel of the Irish traveler. And this is the new sort of American what we've come to version of that and taking to the road on your own because society either can't or won't help you out, you know? And I don't know. It was as natural an actor as Francis McDormand is. It was amazing at how well these just people who were playing themselves they they didn't feel it didn't feel like amateur actors or they felt very real too it made all of those scene scenes feel like you were sitting around with actual people um yeah, i her, just her friend that basically is is it's not really spoilers but is i mean it is spoilers but it's not kind right. of you worry about spoilers who is uh on a, on her own journey and talks yeah. about nature sort of giving her um kind of moments of pleasure and wonder that woman that entire scene between the two of them was uh crackling like with just crazy energy and just the fact that the director Anne McDormand can basically um figure out how to bridge that gap is wild i i just love that scene yes absolutely there were so many incredible scenes and then there were so many small things like kind of in the background that felt so real to me and and one of them's weird, like the fact that the dinosaurs were the dinosaurs from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. But right. <laughs> it was this that was something that I remember from being young and little and when the world was so huge. And now here they were again. And uh, 
coal miner's daughter playing in the background of one of the scenes. Uh, just, it was so unbelievably good. I, I read an article speaking of the, you didn't know where things were. I, I skimmed most of an article of Vogue about the movie and, and it was a, a uh, interview with McDormand and uh, they wouldn't say where they were because it, where they were filming wasn't important. And so it was like actually brought up, you know, I can't tell you where I'm meeting her. And uh, she had said, now she came up with the character's name and she said, because I, when I was, you know, in my, you know, thirties and forties, I thought when I turned 65, I'm going to change my name to Fern and I'm going to start smoking lucky strikes and drinking wild Turkey. And I'm going to take off in an RV. So you know, it was something that she'd always kind of joked about anyway. And then here she was getting to do this wonderful project about, you know, it was, it was, some of it was obviously very sad about where, what America's doing to its older, you know, citizens or even I me, mean, it's younger citizens too, but the choices that they have to, some of them have to make, some of them choose to make it. And yet in the midst of this kind of very sad commentary on what we have done to our working poor is this sense of freedom and this choice. And I just I really, really liked it. It, um, they, there was a, well, the scene I'm going to spoil here, but toward the end of the movie, when she kind of takes off and she's driving down the road and, um, and then she's talking to Bob and, and he and talking about grief and he says, you know, and some people don't ever get over it and that's okay. And I just, I loved that, that what's the concept that grief isn't to get over and, and that it is okay. That shouldn't necessarily be the goal of grief, that the, the goal can be just to sit in it right. and, and, and know that it's there and appreciate it. And you don't have to, this idea that you have to get better, like what's better, you know? Right. <laughs> so I just loved that. It made me think of a, a lyric from a song from they might be giants of all things that I've always just really loved. And it was, uh, no one in this world ever gets what they want. And that is beautiful. Everybody dies frustrated and sad. And that is beautiful. Right. And it's that same feeling of look, embrace even the crappy shit, you know, <laughs> because it's what we have and it's, it's that or jump, you know? <laughs> right. Right. There's been um, our friend of ours, Aaron Jacobs, uh, who, you know, sent me a few links and had some strong thoughts about this movie. Um, there's been a bit of a blowback to this movie. I don't know if you've seen these articles. About I have not. Fact, I'll, I'll post a few to our social media after this. Good. But basically criticizing the movie for doing a little bit of a, a whitewash of the sort of um, expose of the conditions in these kind of Amazon factories, especially, um, and just really not... It, it kind of made everything look just okay in the service of this character, this fabricated character who right. was sort of choosing to live this way, partly based on her own kind of grief, but also her sort of, you know, realistic situation. Um, and I, you know, I, I didn't, he sent me this link and I didn't want to read it. I was like, I want to read this. I want to see this movie cold and not go right. with the thoughts. And then I read the article after and I really, I can see that, point of view it definitely 
one thing I noticed during this movie is that n- she doesn't run into a single cruddy person in the entire yeah. movie. The, the cr- one cruddy guy in the movie walks into the bathroom that she's cleaning and like pees and doesn't pay any attention to the fact that right. she's in there. Literally the only cruddy thing that happens to people in the entire movie. And um, but I think there's something that Chloe Zhao is doing there very specifically um, of. Right, like like you said, like you're either gonna jump or you're gonna look for the glimmers of, yep. of hope. So, um, and we don't have to wallow. You you know that that crap has happened to her just from the way she portrays the night that she that somebody bangs on the door and tells her to move. The way Dorman says, "I'm leaving, I'm leaving." Right. She she projects the crappy stuff that you know she has encountered, and that's the movie's not interested in in delving into those in in doing your you know your emotional torture porn, if you will. Right. It's much more interested in its characters, and you know it manages to do the sadness very well. The there were two scenes that sort of bookend themselves that really I thought said so much about McDormand's character without her really saying a word uh, when she comes back and pats the dog on the head that she doesn't uh, take with her yeah, and but sort hilarious. of awkwardly and then when uh, she knows that uh, that Dave is going to go off and be a grandpa and she goes bye in that exact <laughs> it's like this is it said so much about the I'm not going to get attached because I don't want to have grief but I also care right it these were just and also like we're not judging her for that or no not at all or moving her to some resolution where she realizes she can love again like the movie is not interested in these kind of tropes um not at all yeah um so all right ratings wise on our scale um what do you give this movie uh What's our highest one? Because <laughs> it's it's incredible. beyond necessary. No, I thought it was incredible. I really did. I did um, too. I, I do think it has a little side of necessary. I do think that this is something that we kind of got to sit in for a multitude of reasons. But yeah. I just thought it was incredible. And McDormand, man, just she give just, her all the awards. Like, damn it! Yeah, damn it! She's just so good, she's... and you can just. <laughs> feel that she's a good person too you know what i mean yeah. you can just feel her radiating normalcy you know yeah. <laughs> and i love that so yeah i love this movie i love chloe yep. Zhao. i love her sort of outsider eye to america and sort of really looking yeah. at like kind of like the the reality of it in a weird kind of stark un like fussed up way but also uh, you know, she sees some beauty in it from probably her own outsider eye, and I find that yep. super fascinating and fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, watch this and leave no trace together, and uh, you know, you'll be yeah. touched in a lot of ways. I I wrote my mom, I texted my mom about halfway through it, and I said, "So I know you guys haven't yet logged into my Hulu, even though I set you up, you know, your own list and everything." I said, "But you really should. You and Dad need to watch Nomadland." And uh, she's, "Oh, I'd been reading about it, and I wanted. Oh, you've just made our weekend. We're gonna watch." <laughs> <laughs> she was so excited and she's just gonna love it so ah, i love it yep nice all right should we move on to other stuff we did uh, that we we did that you saw there what did you do that i saw there justin um first a little bit of news uh mom is ending after uh i believe it's the eighth season this current season uh what's her name anna Ferris. uh 
left the show last season. Um, the show, uh, as it look, as much as I love Alison Janney, as much as I love Christian Johnson, who is doing wonderful work in this show as a kind of a recently added character and is also such a fun hang on Twitter. Follow Christian Johnson. <laughs> she is delightful. Um, this show, it's funny. I was on Twitter and people were talking about Saved Mom and I follow Christian Johnson. And I was like, I, I'm just going to say it. Like, I like these characters. I like the. I like that the show is dedicated to ideas about recovery in a way that sitcoms have never been. Reboot this show to be about an AA group and get a much more diverse set of actual women. Yep. Um, it's a very white show. It's set in Marin, I believe. Um, yep. it, the show is like there's so much good potential there. Um, but they just need to kind of, I think this is a good opportunity to blow it out. Like don't, don't just bring back mom in its same form. Um, it was right, And we don't have to save everything. You I can know. don't be sad because it's over. Be happy that it happened. You know, it's, it's like love that you got to have this female driven show about people in recovery for eight seasons. That's amazing. Yep. Go with that. Be happy that you had it. We don't have to save everything. You know, it's true. It's totally true. We don't, we don't have to ring it till it's terrible. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I do want Alice and Jenny on my TV every week. That's so just, of course. Yeah, I get yeah. that. Um, I also watched uh, a movie on Amazon Prime called The Devil's Partner that popped up in my recommendation list. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? It's that kind of week. Uh, this is a 1961 movie um, directed by Charles Arondo, which totally sounds like a made up like, old Hollywood name. <laughs> um, it stars nobody that I recognized um, and is this kind of like low budget kind of shitty like Val Luton knockoff um, where it starts with an old guy in this like shack in this you know beat up Nevada town straight out of Nomadland and he's got goats and he brings in this like goat in this howling night and he stabs the goat in silhouette you just see the shadow and gets the blood and marks up a pentagram and then cuts his own arm and you know this is 1961 it's like a little like oh god okay wow that's happening um and he's writing something <laughs> in this weird lettering and then this sort of like old withered hand crawls into the frame and signs so there's some kind of pact with the devil happening this is not a good movie and yet i'm sort of like i don't know for a forgotten movie it certainly like got under my skin a little bit um it is weird to see an old 60s movie set in like rural nevada um that is a little weird yeah, and it had some nice atmosphere. The one thing that was la- making me laugh about it a lot is the um, kind of main antagonist either has the ability to shapeshift into animals or can control animals. It is not clear. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes you're like, oh, somebody shot that snake and now he's bleeding. And other times he's like, ah, I see that dog from over there. But I guess the devil's a, a slippery beast. Nobody knows uh, the extent of their powers. Um Anyways, silly movie. Um, I wanted to talk about Drag Race briefly. The new season, I think you're a little behind on. Um, it is fine. It's like kind of perfect, whatever, quarantine viewing. Um, but they did an episode this week around uh, filming in quarantine. They kind of touched on it right in the beginning of the show, but this was a full episode just dedicated to how this all came together and how they filmed it. I thought it was kind of interesting just to really see behind the scenes of how 
that worked and what they needed to do. And it's really honest about it. And it's, it's a little like, you know, in RuPaul fashion, patting itself on the back about it all. Um, but if, like one of the Queens gets COVID right before they start filming. Um, it is, it's definitely a time capsule piece. It's sort of worth watching of like what uh, making pop culture and reality TV was like in this period, which someday hopefully we'll look back on and go, remember that. Um all right. Also, finally, I wanted to play really quickly a song. Uh, this is somebody named Cassandra Jenkins, who's new to me, popped up on a playlist for me. Uh, she is young from New York. This is sort of a very kind of moody, weepy folk, uh, which is not always my jam. But when it clicks, it is very much my jam. Uh, it is very pretty. Um, and just I love the atmosphere of it. The song is called Crosshairs. It is from her new album, An Overview on Phenomenal Nature. Um, let's take a listen. to fall apart in the arms of someone entirely strange to me in your eyes I see the panoply of people inside me Okay, so that is Cassandra Jenkins. Um, we got to talk about WandaVision, right? Yes. What did you think of the second to last WandaVision episode? Don't We're go- say that. Stop talking about that. No, why did you do it like that? <laughs> Just say go- penultimate. Nobody oh, knows what that means. I hate that word. I hate that <laughs> word. I will never say that word. Um, we are going to go full spoilers so because we can't talk about the show without getting into it. So uh one um god i can't think of anything you're making fanny cry because it's the next to last episode (laughs) two fanny tears (laughs) one creepy bug two fanny tears three uh repressed memories um all right so what did you think i love this show so much i just i love this show so much. I love Catherine Hahn so much. Oh my God. I love Catherine Hahn so much. Um, it's so smart. It has so much to say. It's, I, I kind of have trouble forming good thoughts around how intelligent I think this show is and how much I'm going to miss it and how much just because I'm going to miss it doesn't mean make more seasons of it. Uh, Again, you know, if you can figure out how I'm, I'm all for it, but really don't ring this out and just, I, I think it's so smart. The, all of its messages this week it's exploration into uh family grief and uh and guilt i just 
I, I, I'm sort of at a loss, so I'm going to let you have it, and then I will continue to bounce off because I, I have so much love for this show. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, best Marvel live-action thing we've seen by far. Um, it also, uh, your pets are being very cute on Zoom, and then it's distracting me a little bit. Um, <laughs> Chips just came and sat on, on the Puck. The cat is sitting on Puck and now yawning in the most like... <laughs> Uh, I own you flex way. Um, but yes, this show is, I, you know, it's so funny. I, I got into it on Twitter a little bit with people that a, they're mostly, I'm going to say it guys are basically it's probably straight guys are being like, Oh, you know, it's not like Mephisto. And what have you been doing this whole time? And this show is a total waste of time. It's like, are you, are you kidding me? Like what, like what, what show were you watching? Is that really what you were looking for? Was like a million other Marvel setups? Or well, yeah, because following... <laughs> yeah, because we can't have a show about two damaged, strong women with their own power trying to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah, we can't. And it possibly reminds have that. to me. I've said this before, and I said it again on Twitter. It reminds me so much of like a good limited series comic that is really about two characters that you know and sort of recontextualizing them or thinking about them in a new way. That is what comics are amazing at. And somebody who was actually not a man, as far as I could tell from Twitter, was basically saying, oh, is this what comics are like? That's an interesting perspective. And I was like, well, you know, comics are a lot of different things, obviously. I'm not going to, like, generalize about what comics are. But, like, this kind of comic is something I really like and it is the openness of it because sort of emotionally and not being so kind of like answering questions in a very like, oh, you set up these like Star Wars-y like who are raised parents question. It's like I'm not I'm way less interested in that. So absolutely. And, absolutely. And I, I think the show is getting a little blowback from people that have viewed it that way. And maybe some of that was the Easter eggs kind of led people down the wrong road. But that is a hundred percent. It's fun, but I'm also not going to be mad when it doesn't pan out. Totally. It's like they feel like, oh, I made all these guesses. I feel like they think, oh, I made all these guesses and I was wrong. So now I'm sort of embarrassed. So I'm mad at the show. Yeah. Where it's like, no, that you were supposed to be in on the fun of we're right. all we're putting this stuff in. And, and you know, and do I think there may still be something else kind of going on? Yeah, I do. But if it's not, I'm fine with that because I love the idea of these two damaged magical women who have had whose life has kicked around and don't know how to deal with their grief. They're not necessarily bad people and but they've done some really crappy things. And three of them at this point including well not, not- I mean, things, she's, but it, yeah, but, right. But I think that's going to be the interesting, the three of yes. them next week. That's what I, I just, want out of next week's episode is those three women interacting. Together. I just want to watch them all forever. I love, you know, Tiana Parrish. You don't have to be the, the villain that we talked about last week. And I, you know, I know we both clicked into uh, a line this week that, uh, that is also, I think could be, you know, when, when your teacher asks you, what's the theme of the book or, you know, what are the curtains blue and why are they blue? That this line really made it so clear uh, that that's what this show is about and uh, that it is a love story, but it's a love story told through grief. And I'm going to let you, yes. No, you got to do it. You got to do it. (laughs) The the line is what is grief? If not love persevering. 
Which, man, also very nomad land, right? Like, yes. You, you don't have to get over it. It's just a different side of your love. It's just you love this person and they're not there anymore. Or you love this thing and it's not there anymore. And it it doesn't take, you know, don't cry because it's over, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't take anything away from how much that love meant to you. In fact, it almost makes it better or stronger or clearer to you how much it meant to you because of how much it hurts when it's no longer, I'm not going to say it's gone because it's not gone, but when it's no longer in the forefront, when you can no longer look at that person and say to them, I love you, or you can no longer be doing the thing that made you happy. You know, it's, it doesn't take anything away from that to not be able to do it anymore. I loved the, the kind of twisting of expectations about how things were started and her going to the house and, yeah. you know, that he'd bought. Like, there were some nice surprises. Like, yeah. I think with all the theorizing about what had happened, I think a lot of, like, smart internet people had gotten a lot of it predicted right. But those character yeah. nuances, like, oh. those are the things that people can't predict and the show is doing well. And the fact that everybody wanted... Wanda to be, oh, she stormed in there and stole the body and reanimated him. And instead she went in there trying to find the man that she loved so she could bury him so that she could have a place to go and sit with him and tell him, you know, about what her life, what she was doing in her life. And Hayward took that and he twisted it. And he was, and he was doing exactly to this body what he what she knew he would have hated and even then she didn't want to steal him you know even then she was like just let me pay tribute to this love that i had and he used it and that's so evil and that's what made her so upset it's not that she went and you know her emotions got the best of her her love that terrible dark phoenix trope yeah instead he twisted it and used it against her and then she just even she just couldn't live with the the amount of emotion that was inside of her and she burst it literally burst out of her and you know it her body figured out a way to create a coping mechanism you know and that's yeah that's the power of the mind too of you know it okay, I didn't do this because I'm angry. I didn't do this with any malice of forethought. I did it because it was all just too much. And my mind said, okay, here, go here. Right, right. It's safe here. The people you love will take care of you here. Yeah, and I love not only the like, oh, we're just going to get a a shot of the DVDs of the things that they love. No, it was like a very specific episode about, I love this idea of like, there were moments in those things that were more than just, you know, cultural touchstones or whatever that we're going to kind of riff on and appeal to nostalgia. It was like really thought about how this all happened. And I love that. Yeah, no, I just, man. And I went back, um, I, my friend Olive, I, I had her watch the first, well, the first one and then a little bit of the second episode just because we had to leave at that point. But um, there is some brilliance in that first episode that if you know, oh, interesting. watch, go yeah. back, watch the first episode, watch the dinner scene. Yeah, It gets dark early, which I did know, but to truly watch the nuance, to watch how Vision doesn't move like even from there there's a one point where they're just talking and he's sitting at the dinner table and bettany does not move wow 
And you wouldn't necessarily notice that if you were just, if you didn't know. Right. And then, then, uh, the the boss saying, tell me, why did you come here? Damn it. Right. You know, this idea that they all knew early on and, and that none of them can really move when he starts to choke and Deborah Joe Rupp doesn't know what to do at first. And that's stop it, you know, right. and vision doesn't move until Wanda tells him to. And there's it, this, the whole scene is brilliant and it was brilliant when you're watching it going back and seeing, knowing where we are, you can see her being lost as well. And, and nice. oh. Okay, I have a very stupid face blind question to ask, and I did not Google it specifically okay. so that I could ask So I could mock question. you? Yes, <laughs> because it's good uh, podcast entertainment. Um, I Okay, the, the early witch scenes in the flashbacks mm-hmm. with Catherine Hahn? Yeah. Was that D.H. Catherine Hahn or a different actor? I, it was oh. D.H. Catherine Hahn. Ah, Catherine God. Hahn. Okay. Thank God. Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> they, it wasn't a whole lot. And why they felt like they had to D.H. her, she looks fucking great. Right. Uh, but yeah, there was like very slight, you know, like they they put a filter on her basically. You know? And then at the very end, they sort of like witchify her a little bit. A little bit she gets yeah. like a little like chubbier cheeks. and um, They kind of, yeah, they darkened. They did contours with like grays and blacks yeah. instead of you know instead of pearlescent stuff they very okay. very subtle but they thank did. god that wasn't a different actor i was about <laughs> to basically be like i am officially just i've lost touch with all humanity and i'm no, going to create an artificial reality okay good <laughs> if you had listened right. to joanna robinson if you'd listened to little gold men you i mean still watching you yeah. would know that they talked about <laughs> okay good i don't think i caught up with that one yet um all right do we have anything more to say except that we're super excited for the finale and we'll certainly be talking about it next week and i'm gonna have grief about <laughs> what is my grief over losing wandavision if not my love of it persevering right, it's really the only thing i'm excited about week to week on a show basis right days, so, and i just yeah. i'm like oh will they drop it at nine on thursday can i try and stay <laughs> yeah i don't think I, I think it's right it's midnight right here yeah, but I don't know if it's midnight East Coast. It is. I've, mid- I've checked. It's midnight. So it's not nine. No. Well, that's a bunch of bullshit. Right. I know. Totally. Maybe I can. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll stay up late enough for who tomorrow that I can come home and try and watch it at midnight. I, I have <laughs> been watching it um, in the morning because I can't wait. It's like before I. Start no, work. I can't. If yeah. I can get up early enough before I go to work, I watch it. Are you kidding? Oh I the minute I can, I watch it, and then I watch it like I just watch it once where I just let it go, and then I watch it again where I can like get all the stuff. Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right, what else did you see? I know you have some fun stuff here. I, I do. Um, I'm going to start with the, I caught up on the um, ish oeuvre, the uh, <laughs> blackish, mixedish, and grownish. These are still, these are good shows. Um, and they continue to impress me and be very touching and sometimes make me cry. And then that embarrasses me because I'm crying at stupid fucking sitcoms. <laughs> but good shows. But I wanted to specifically talk about uh, grownish, which I think is on nbc family or whatever the fuck that weird ass network is but you can also catch them on hulu um this show is really smart and always you know it's that young adult so you know they talk about sex and and stuff like that that they couldn't in a you know kid like the mixed dish which is pointed at like junior high kids um and I think they're supposed to be juniors in college now. And anyway, they had a scene where uh, one of the the main characters 
has a new girlfriend and they go out and they're doing a bunch of ecstasy and they end up back in their bedroom and it shows like with a whole bunch of people and then they start to everybody's kind of you know just they start disappearing as they do in those scenes you know until there's three people in the room and uh those three people on a lot of ecstasy have a threesome uh because the girlfriend is interested in this and uh, the next day, the the main guy is telling the two his two best friends about it, and he says, you know, oh, and then they're like, oh, you got a threesome, and they're like, you know, high fiving him, and and they're like, oh, so was Alex? Was she thick? And he goes, no, is Alex thick? And he says, well, yeah, I mean, Alex is on the road team, so he's pretty swole. <laughs> Amazing. And they were like, wait a second, it was a guy, <laughs> and and he's like, well, yeah, you know, because. I can't remember his girlfriend's name. She thought it was hot and, you know, it's not going to be something I want to do again. But yeah, you know, when I kissed him and they start telling him that he's bi, I didn't know you were bi. And he's like, well, I'm not. And they're like, well, you're gay adjacent. And they take it to the girls. And most of the girls say, well, of course. Yeah. And he's like, says, I'm telling you my experience. And I would argue that knowing that I'm not bi or I'm not gay, kissing a man is one of the straightest things that I can kind of do in that I'm so secure that I did this because my girlfriend was interested in it and turned out it wasn't for me, but I didn't stop doing it and I'm not squicked out by it, but you need to believe me when I tell you who I am. Nice. And I really loved that it tackled this, that the taboo of men kissing men, you instantly have to be gay and that it's icky, but a girl, you know, but two girls kissing is super hot. And, you know, I loved that they went into it and I loved the way they handled it. And good on you, Gronish. I really thought it was wonderful and it made me really happy. I didn't know the ish shows were like that ishy. I gotta like get into that. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Grownish is a lot of fun. It's okay. it's I think it's my favorite of it. Strangely, I think Blackish has become like it's the most like TV sitcom-y of them. Uh right. mixed dishes it's younger. Right. So uh but it makes me so it's more sentimental. It makes me cry on the regular. Uh but Gronish is kind of the most quirky and certainly the most subversive of them. Nice. And it doesn't shy away from any of that. And I really liked it. Do they so call it the, I, I want to give Do they call it the ish first? Is it the ish first? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's what we're calling it nice. now. But I love that. Uh, <laughs> but I I, I want to give ups when people are trying to, you know, do the right thing. And I thought this was really great. Nice. Uh, with there, we got some footage of footage of why the last man it's only about 15 seconds, but the exciting thing is here is that they're filming it and it's happening. Um, they can't take it back now. They can't, they can't, they may ruin it, but they right. can't take it back. <laughs> I have read, uh, I, I went ahead and read house of M. I think nice. I knew about, about who half the characters were and understood maybe a quarter of what went on, but I did read it and I did it's enjoy it. Pretty fucking confusing. Yeah. I was, I, a lot of the time I was like, I, okay. Yeah. I don't even know if it would have helped if I'd known who the characters were, but yeah. I, I it's did a little think bit of was, a mess. I was kind of interested in that though. I thought I, I liked how it didn't spend a lot of time explaining stuff to you, that it kind of threw you in that, that whole, the concept that they teach you in creative writing of, you know, drop your reader in as far in as you can. Right. And then, 
and then maybe catch up. I, you know, expect them, don't hold their hands, expect them to kind of fill in some stuff. And I, have you tried the 2014 Scarlet Witch solo series yet? I I have it downloaded. That's my, that's, that would be next. You're going to love the shit out of that. Yeah. That's really one of the better things I've read around Scarlet Witch. And and now that I'm watching WandaVision, I'm like, oh, this is where they're really getting emotionally sort of drawing from. Right. I am most of the way through Hench. That may go on the back burner because uh, the third in a trilogy of my trashy vampire uh, smut novels has dropped. So that's going to take me two days to read that and finish it. It's not going to be good and I'm going to like it anyway. Um, But then I'll go back to Hench. You are right. I am very much enjoying Hench. Nice. It's it's a lot of fun. I love the tone. I love the characters. Uh, I'll have more to say when I'm done. But Terrific. I, I tip my hat to you. Very good. And then we spent $20 for <laughs> Nikki Knight. Now, I instantly said, now, here's the thing, you guys. It's on my account. I'm not paying $20 for Willie's Wonderland. So everybody, you start, you know, usually I'm like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Everybody Venmo me the money now <laughs> because I can't live with myself if I spent $20 to watch Willie's Wonderland. Certainly you know more than about- you'd spend at Chuck E. Cheese. Jesus. <laughs> do you know anything about okay first off do you know anything about my chuck e cheese damage justin have i, I talked I, about that i on this do podcast? you told me but not on the podcast you want to you want to tell it <laughs> i was a very young child i was very enamored with chuck e cheese there was one near my grandparents house i begged them to take me to chuck e cheese they said well we'll just bring the pizza home and i explained to them that's not what chuck e cheese was about and you I had to go pizza. there and spend <laughs> the, the, the the pizza was actually terrible and if we were going to bring home pizza probably we should get good pizza <laughs> But instead, I needed to spend ridiculous amounts of money to get huge things of tickets and get a crappy little like, you know, wall walker that for, you know, that you spent $50 on the wall walker. My parents, my grandparents, God love them. I had the best grandfathers in the world. They took me to Chuck E. Cheese, where the heat and the lights and the noise caused my grandfather to have a stroke. So... I have my own. He was fine, guys. He was fine. We didn't even have to go to the hospital, but he made a really, his face, like half his face, like went paralyzed while I was looking at him. Um, I hate Chuck E. Cheese to this day, and I have extreme guilt about making him take me to Chuck E. Cheese where he then had a stroke. So, Willy's Wonderland is a Nicky Nicholas Cage movie about a haunted animatronic, basically Chuck E. Cheese, called Willy Wonderland. Willy's Wonderland. Willy is a weasel. <sighs> And he, Nicholas Cage, plays a man who, in order to pay for his car repairs, because the town only lets you pay cash, he agrees to clean up a Willy's Wonderland, Willy Wonderland, where they knock him, where they lock him in overnight, because actually they're expecting to feed him to the haunted animatronic creatures who are apparently inhabited by serial killers. <laughs> He plays pinball and does like weird sort of Vogue dances and spoiler alert for Willy's Wonderland. Let's move. I mean, I already gave you a bunch of it away, but that happens in the huge amounts of exposition. You know, drive away in your fast, stupid car now that the cops blew out your tires so that they could feed you to the serial killer animatronic beings. Nicolas Cage doesn't say one fucking word in this movie, you guys. (laughs) Not a word. (laughs) That is a decision to cast 
him and not have him say anything. <laughs> not a damn word, which I almost respect. You kind of wonder if he just really was like, no, I'm not saying these lines. So, <laughs> like, he just was like, I'm not going to read these. We'll just, we'll just pantomime I, it. <laughs> I think he kind of thought he. I think he thought he was being like cool and cheeky. Like you could tell that it was a choice and they were very pleased with themselves about it. You know, (laughs) I just, yeah. So in news that made us feel old, your son Parker did uh, tell us that this is a knockoff of a video game franchise called Freddy, something I don't know, something at, at Freddy's, yeah. Five Nights at Freddy's, or something. I don't know. Yeah. My my gang knew it too, but nice. again, I'm old. I'm yeah. older than my gang. So. You're like, I, you're like, I only want one version of this, and it's probably like Silent Nicholas Cage. So, <laughs> and also, I don't play video games. <laughs> so, right. yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. So, um, you have probably uh, listeners heard uh, or seen some of these things we've talked about here. Um, or heard about them. So what do you what do you think about them? Let us know. You can talk to us at uh, the next podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can email us. That's an quaint notion at motionandnicks at gmail.com. Uh, there is the old uh, Twitter. You can t- you can quote to us, as Dion Warwick loves to say, uh, at the next podcast. Um, I'm at Justin Hartung on Twitter. And I'm at Fanny V. Darling on Twitter. I want to give one last shout out to Dolly Parton. Uh, Everybody go watch the video of her getting her vaccine. vaccine. (laughs) We love you, Dolly. Thank you for for the vaccine. And thank you for Buffy. And thank you for telling people that they're stupid. And God love you. (laughs) We, yeah, we don't deserve her. We don't. All right. See you next time. Bye.